From the Financial Times in London, I'm Christine Spoler, and this is FT Investigations. South Dakota is best known for its vast stretches of flat land and the Mount Rushmore Monument, where the heads of four American presidents are carved into the Black Hill Mountains. It is so sparely populated that locals joke it has more pheasants than people. But its financial mecca, Sioux Falls, has become the unlikely magnet for a lucrative business. It is here that America's ultra-wealthy set up trusts to protect their fortunes from taxes and future ex-spouses. Assets held in South Dakotan trusts were worth more than $226 billion in 2014, according to the state's Division of Banking. The number of trust companies has jumped from 20 in 2006 to 86 this year. The state's role as a prairie tax haven has gained unwanted attention since the release of the Panama Papers, an investigation by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, which has drawn attention to the anonymity that is available in the U.S. With me in the studio to discuss this is Vanessa Holder, the FT's tax correspondent, and on the line from New York is Kara Scannell, who traveled to South Dakota for the FT to investigate. Kara, tell us what you found. How was it that South Dakota came to be used in this way? South Dakota is so interesting because going back years now, a couple of decades, they position themselves to really be one of the top states to attract people by creating law that is very clear and consistent that makes it very beneficial to set up a trust in the state. There's no personal income tax. There's no corporate income tax. And then a few things specific to trust have really put them on the map. There's no tax if you transfer a trust from generation to generation for years and years and years. Other states impose a tax after a couple of transfers that go through. Every state's a little bit different. They also have strong asset protection laws, which comes into handy when you're dealing with potential divorce or um, investigations and other matters. People are able to segregate their funds, and their courts allow for almost complete secrecy. So if you're a curious reporter, you can't rummage through court filings and find out a lot of information about who owns the trust and what's inside of them. You met several of the people who run the funds, as well as the man largely behind the state's renaissance as a tax haven. What did you learn from them about the way they view the industry? It's very interesting. I mean, I met with Pierce McDowell III, who is really the kind of evangelist for the state. He really is the one that put them on the map, you know, and attracted a lot of old family money there. He says that most of his clients do not use it to avoid paying taxes. It's about tax planning. It's about protecting the family fortune. And, you know, they're getting a a bad rap from the increased attention. He says that they have no tolerance for tax evaders and they do a lot of due diligence when people call them to set up trust. I heard the same thing from Brett Aftal, the director of banking there. He says that, you know, their reputation's on the line. So they do turn away some trusts where the business plan doesn't make sense or it seems like the person who wants to set it up doesn't quite understand what they're doing. So they recognize they have a lot at stake by their reputation and they feel a little bit like they're getting a bad rap. But they also go to great pains to make sure that their state stays competitive on tax issues, including having a governor's trust task force that's been in effect since 1997 to ensure their laws stay cutting edge. 
Vanessa, do we know where the money in these trust funds come from? Is it American wealth or does it belong mainly to foreigners? Well, in some cases, we really do know. You can actually see names like Wrigley and Guggenheim on the walls of some of the buildings where the trusts are administered. So there's some big and well-known families that have trusts there. And more generally, there's an awful lot of American money there, both for asset protection and, um, as Cara said, to protect against tax, um, estate taxes when it goes down the generations. For some time, there's been a bit of international money there. But what's really happened in just the last six to eight months is that that side of a business has really taken off. And the reason is these new transparency rules, which are coming in round the world, and a U.S. trust or company is one of very few ways round them. But how about, say, people coming from Latin America or, or some of the Asian countries? Is this seen as the new tax haven? The key thing is the amount of secrecy or privacy, as the people in South Dakota would put it. As Cara said, you really get a remarkable degree of discretion. And this is at a time when the rest of the world is gearing up to exchange information on the tax affairs of people who hold accounts and trusts, right, left and centre. So for anyone who really doesn't want to have their affairs probed by their home tax authority or looked at, um, you know, people worry an awful lot about leaks and corruption and this sort of thing. And they do see places like South Dakota as one of the very few places they can be completely confident that their details won't get out. Isn't it ironic that the U.S. has gone after tax havens like Switzerland with such vigor while allowing a tax haven of its own to flourish? Yes, this is a complaint which you hear a lot, particularly if you talk to Swiss bankers, lawyers, and other offshore centres. They say it's not an accident. They say for more than 90 years, the US has actually tried to attract foreign capital by exempting it from tax and reporting rules. And so there is a lot of talk of hypocrisy about this situation. And Kara, has there been any indication from the US government that they're going to intervene to curb the industry? I think there's a lot of discussion about what they're going to do. You know, we're seeing that they're going to require banks to know their customers a little bit better. But whether there is a wholesale change in attitude, I'm not sure there's going to be enough political will to do anything if it requires Congress. It's a presidential election year. There's a lot of gridlock in Washington. So I don't think anyone would expect something to happen imminently if it does require a change in law. Uh, You know, the U.S. government, at least the Department of Justice, which has been the one behind the crackdown of offshore banking by Americans, there already is a lot of interest in the revelations of the Panama Papers. And I'm sure they'll look to make sure that any American who does have their money set up in trust in the U.S. are paying, you know, what's required of taxes. Okay, well, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm sure the interest in tax havens is certain to continue. If you'd like to read more on this topic, please see Kara and Vanessa's story on South Dakota on FT.com. And also listen to our earlier podcasts at FT Investigations. <laughs>